You're listening to Simulcast, a podcast about healthcare simulation. So welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and in our episode today, I'm going to talk with my boss, Kirsty Forrest. Uh, the reason for that is that she, along with Judy McKim, have just edited a new textbook called Healthcare Simulation at a Glance. And uh, I, I'll say my disclosure right now. I did a couple of the chapters in there, but I also happen to think it's a very good book. So welcome, Kirsty. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, a little bit of a background bio. Uh, Kirsty is Dean of the Medical Program at Bond University. That's where we come across each other. But she's also an anaesthetist and she's been interested in sim for a long time. So I might get you to pick things up there, Kirsty, and tell us a little bit about you and simulation and then maybe leading into how that led to editing a book like this. Yeah, so... Um... When I did was doing anaesthetics as a registrar, um, in the UK exams are slightly different and I finished my final fellowship and I suddenly went, is that it for the next 30 years? And I got a bit concerned and I've been interested in education and I started to look into education as a discipline, as a field. And simulation was the natural fit for me and it was part of what I did as a master's in medical education in my registrar training. And I carried on being um, influenced by simulation and enjoying it and also the educational side of it my educational thoughts have always been that I think people make uh, I suspect reading more difficult than it has to be or if you like books and that's where I went into the book field when I started to think could you actually make things a little bit easier a little bit simpler to understand and I thought you could and that's when I sort of segued into book writing and editing to try and help people I suspect uh, take on information much better than I, I was taking it on so for example the first book I did was um, about acute care and understanding acute care because every time I learned to uh, I, I had to go back and learn about blood gases right from uh, from the start. And I thought there must be a better way of learning about this. That's a nice segue into the book itself because I'm going to agree with what you've just said in terms of it can be hard. And I think the way people write books uh, can be easier or harder to understand. So healthcare simulation at a glance, each of the chapters is literally a couple of pages. There's lots of visuals there to help the understanding. You've set it out seemingly uh, pretty logically to me anyway in terms of the sections on uh, how simulation is delivered. Uh deeper dives into things like audiovisual technical things but still just in these nice little packets of of a couple of pages for each uh, chapter so tell me what's the kind of audience that you're aiming for here and yet how are you hoping that they'll use the book mm. well the the evolution of this book was based on a prior book which is called essential simulation in clinical education which was edited with judy mckim and simon edgar in 2013 and that book was, a, uh, I think it was 13 chapters, much, much more in depth, much more theory based. And all the time we were doing that book, we kept thinking we should have something that's a bit easier to understand, a bit briefer and more for the potentially entry level people who people want to start to understand simulation. And, and we liked the At a Glance books, which are basically two pages with one page being text and the other one being figures or graphs or pictures. And um, that's when we thought this this would 
this book would be great. So we started uh, to think about that quite a while ago. So it's really aimed at people who um, might be starting uh, uh, starting in simulation, so people who might be thinking about it as an educational tool, but it's not just for medics, and we're very clear about that. It's not just for doctors, it's for all healthcare professionals who want to use simulation as an educational tool. Yes, and I think that's reflected in the uh, author list that you've got there for the chapters. There's geographic diversity. There's definitely diversity by discipline and by profession, uh, but also it seems to me by perspective. You've got uh, people who are professors of simulation-based education. You've got people who are excellent at the technical aspects, and you've got people who come from human factors. So it seems to me you've got you've you've picked up on that diversity, and yet you've managed to make it sort of consistent enough that those of us who like to dabble in many different things are going to get something out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what I, I, I really enjoy. That's the bit about getting to know other people's views, perceptions, simulations, a broad field. And to be honest, it's probably replicates what I like in my life, which is a team-based approach to most things. Um, and that you can get much more out of other people um, and other their other views and perspectives if you actually talk to them and work with them. So I think that just replicates a lot of what I think um, my life is in anesthetics, but also um, how I like to work when I write books or when we edit books. Well, that's another nice segue. So we'll come back to where people can get the book. Uh, but I wanted to sort of talk about that writing process because I also think some of our simulcast listeners are uh, asked to write chapters or thinking about writing uh, publications like this. Mm. How do you approach a task like this as an editor? And then what kind of advice do you give to people who have been asked to write chapters? So I suppose, yeah, but as an editor, um, you have to be clear about what you want and be clear to the people that you're approaching. Actually, though, there's sometimes that can be over constricting. So there's a fine line between asking for what you want and um, the people not being able to deliver because you've been over restrictive. And also then you might not get to hear nuggets of greatness if you actually constrict it down as well. So it's interesting to me, what you have to do is find people that you think are interested in the topic you want them to write about and are motivated to share that knowledge with you and other people. And the other big plus I would say as an editor, go to people that will have produced before. Um, people are great at saying yes to saying yes to topics or things that they'll do but until they've actually done it you don't know if they're going to be somebody who can do it in the future and that's what happens a lot of the time which is worrying is that we go to the same people to get the same things and they get busier um but we need to find the people that want to do it so it's motivation find people who are motivated to share that knowledge and the second part i think you said was how should they, they they personally approach writing a chapter? Was that was that what you said? Yeah, yeah that's right. So yeah. I think for me, um, I think it's different for everybody. Some people like to just get words down on a page, and that's helpful because I can edit it. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite good at that now. I like I like doing it. Um, but some people get really um, 
worried about a blank piece of paper. And the way to break through that is headings. And it's really obvious, but just headings. Um, and usually a bit like your talks, Victoria, it's like, um, what are you trying to say? What's the chronological order of it? What are you trying to get across? So and do that with headings. And then you can start fleshing out the areas underneath the headings. Um, and try to remember that you're if you were the person reading it. So I, I find that some people forget that. And that's when they get very wandery. Um, so we just try to remember if you're reading it de novo, that you're the first person to read this, that you have to be able to follow an order. And um, that's the way I'd say to think about writing. Yeah, I guess communicating, that's the thats the thing that's yeah. overarching, isn't it? My three legends yeah. of giving talks, uh, I guess, sounding good and looking great aren't quite as important, but the connection with the audience is, <laughs> is, is definitely across all of those. Yeah. I think people forget that they're speaking to somebody, but with written word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I did want to just dive briefly into content because uh, I think when you do these things, often you learn things as well. And one of the chapters that I found most interesting was the one on remediation because I hadn't thought perhaps enough about that. I'd sort of focused a lot on the learning impact of simulation, but clearly it's a way we can approach remediation of learners or uh, people who may be coming to a different side of career. And so I guess thinking about the assessment thing. So mm-hmm. I found that, found that chapter very interesting. But I'm wondering uh, what you learned about simulation as you were gathering all this expertise <laughs> from other people. Oh, you always learn something. And um, it's either you learn how to get a concept across better or you learn actual knowledge, if, if you like. But, I mean, for me, the, the biggest one was um, Deborah Nestel offered to do a chapter on ethics, and I'm thinking, well, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> and I read what she gave to us, and I was going, oh, yeah. And it's just like basic stuff that I hadn't thought about. I mean, I, we'd always talked about don't hurt the simulated patient with the cannula kind of thing, but it was even down to the detail of having – um, drugs and equipment in a space that may be in a in a hospital, but in a simulation room, and making sure that they're not used for patient care. Um, and I suddenly thought, oh yes, I hadn't even thought about that. But it's pretty obvious that somebody might just wander in and use it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 Deborah Nestel's chapter, and that's the bit about going out to people and finding out what they know or see or think. The it, increasing the number of people and their perceptions and their ideas, because otherwise we would never have asked for that chapter, but she came forward with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes to your point that, yes, this is a great book for simulation fellows, people starting out in simulation, but I think there's definitely something there for uh, (laughs) those of us who've been doing it for a while, but who of necessity or just through accident often do end up with a narrower focus than we might realise. All right, well... Where can people get the book? And I feel like I've been such a salesperson here, so I better just say I'm not getting any money out of it and I'm pretty sure you don't make a lot of money either. But uh, if people do want to find it and buy it, uh, how do they do that? Uh, well, it uh, can be got online at www.wiley.com and I've got a code here which is VBR82, which you can get a 20% discount on it as well. Um, so thank you for that, Victoria. <laughs> That's all right. That's a special simulcast code, listeners. Uh, <laughs> so that's healthcare simulation at a glance. So we'll put that link uh, in the notes on the blog 
for those of you listening, you heard the website, www.wiley.com. And uh, I think, Kirsty, that's been a great little chat. We'll look forward to more. And uh, I'm so pleased to have a boss that's so embedded in simulation. It makes my life a lot easier. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you ever so much for the opportunity, Victoria. I've enjoyed it. Excellent. All right. Signing off, Simulcast listeners. Uh, I'm Victoria Brazel. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Simulcast.